Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he sounds like a dying horse, it's Arturo Zurita. What's up, Zach? I'm excited to be here. Y- y'all talking about the haircuts, you just hop the beanie on, dude. That's all you need. You put the beanie on, you can go a couple more months in this quarantine just like that. Uh, or you could do what Fernando does and get that Sundance cap on you just like that. What's up, Fernando? Oh, boy. Uh, excited to be here, too. Yeah, I, I have to wear a hat. I look like... There's a dead dog on my head, I swear. Um, <laughs> we finished recording one of the last podcasts. He took that thing off. I went, who yeah. is um, that? <laughs> but we're, we're staying strong. We're surviving, watching yeah. movies. Doing what we can, mm-hmm. accessorizing how we can. I like to use my headphone as like a bit of a headband yeah. to mm. keep some of the situation under under control. But uh, like thanks for not commenting mean things about our <laughs> in-progress facial hairs and <laughs> what have you. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, in a little bit, we're going to talk about Dead to Me, Capone, and mm. your questions. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you use. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at IntercutPod. That's at Intercut. P-O-D. That's short for podcast. Art, let's start the show the way we start it every week here with what we are watching. What you've been watching. I had a couple of things. I'm going to stick to three quick ones. Uh, One of them would be the biggest box office movie of this past weekend, uh, The Wretched. Coming to you from like the what three theaters that are opened. It it was reported as the number one box office movie. IFC Films just absolutely killing it. When you go to the box office, and I got the screenshot, I've been, re- I've been, I have been documenting this entire event because someone's got to, right? I've been going on the AMC app, the Regal app. I've been going on on Fandango, Flickster. I want to see, you know, I, I want, I want footage of everything that's going on right now. And uh, one of them is a screenshot of IFC getting the one, two, three, four, and five spots of the box office because they're the only ones out there. And their number one is uh, the Wretched. It's an 80s throwback type movie uh, about a witch. Uh, a lot of people call it like a Spielbergish uh, Vivitch. Mm. Kind of there. Mm. Uh, there was a movie that played at Sundance a couple years back called 1985, I want to say, or Summer of 85. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like a better version of that movie with this uh, kid who is juxtaposed with this witch who is who knows how many years old and how she's trying to take over a lot of the families there in the community my man's just trying to get his family back together because his parents are going through a divorce. So it's like a nice little story. Uh, the practical effects are really cool. But I'd say it's a, it's a pretty decent uh, stream it. That's the number one movie in America right now. I don't know if you guys caught that one, but uh, that is out Not there. Yet. One of the other ones that I caught... <sighs> Skyline back here. I thought, why not? I need a little motiva- motivation. And I uh, decided to binge half of The Last Dance. This thing is an ESPN and Netflix original. So I don't know when it's going to be on, on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if you gentlemen have caught this at all. Not yet, not the yet. best not yet. documentary series of the damn year. Now, mind you, viewers, a couple of years ago, what won the Oscar for best documentary? That was a 10-hour series at Sundance? OJ the, uh, Made in America. OJ Made in America, yeah. As soon as that won... They changed the rules. So this one isn't eligible. Uh, I wish it was because it's definitely deserving of it. It covers uh, Michael Jordan, really. But it's supposed to be the final dance of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, that being said, it, or putting it into perspective, as a, as a 90s kid, especially in Chicago, uh, the Bulls won six times. 
This is covering that, that last one, the sixth one. And I never knew that the coach always had a name, a title for every season. And he's the one who titled their final season because of upper management that was doing stuff. Even though they had five champions, he, he, he named it the last dance. So who would have who thought that he named it almost two decades ago? Over two decades ago, he named a, a very successful documentary series. Uh, so I've been watching that. Really, really like that one. Um, last one is yeah, Upload. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, I was just going to say about The Last Dance has been a bit of a pheno- phenomenon in the uh, Easy. vacancy left without having sports around. Uh, I, I've been DVRing them, so I, I'm definitely going to try and catch up on that one soon. But you also have been watching the Amazon show Upload. Yep. Uh, and great point that I believe you believe this made one because- is created by Greg Daniels. It oh, is, and yeah. it's got a, it's got the boys from Code Eight. But uh, real quick, going off of what you had said, they pushed it up. Last Dance was supposed to come out in the summer, and they pushed yeah. it up because of the quarantine. Mm. So yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Upload is really cool. It's it's a series on Amazon starring Robbie Amell, and pretty much it's way into the future, bro. When you see the skyline, New York, it'll make you, it'll make you vomit. It'll make you vomit because you know it's the skyline that they're gonna try to make, which is just bigger and bigger residential buildings over Centennial, but, or. Uh, the story is about what happens if someone creates technology where you don't die and go to heaven. You die and get uploaded. And depending on how rich you are, maybe you can afford that. Maybe you got to stick to the regular faith death. Or if you're super rich and have a girlfriend, you end up like Robbie Amell in like the, the estates that is on a digital computer where your mind is uploaded in the afterlife before you die. So I think it's a really interesting uh, series. I'm only halfway through with it. Um, a lot of people have is mixed things funny? about it. Are you are you just <laughs> sort of fascinated that, with the world, or are you laughing too? That's that's the my least favorite part about it. They have a lot of cute moments, which are okay, but I was like, I don't really care about that stuff. I think they have a lot of interesting ideas that I feel maybe a lot of people aren't taking seriously because they undermine it maybe with the story or some of the jokes mm-hmm. that they try to do. But there is actual discussions being had about, okay, this technology exists. Why don't you get it, Dad? I can get you, you know, you're sick. No, I want to be with Mom and do it the right way. You know, I, I'm just very curious to see where else they're going to take it. I don't know if they have uh, upcoming seasons and stuff like that, but I really like the philosophical discussions that they have here and there about it. Uh, a lot of funny, um, like, Easter eggs that they do of, of you know, because this takes place 20 years from now. So it's like a lot of things that they're predicting in between. It's a lot like Silicon Valley. You know how like the beginning, it'll change every single time. And it's like making jokes, the tech companies. Uh, This is kind of like that. But instead of tech companies, it's the government. It's it's just everything else. Uh, But I I, I found that one, it's kind of fun. So I would recommend that one. What about you guys? Cool. Fernando? Yeah, so what have I been watching? Um, One movie that I caught, that this was really cool. So movie is like a really small mm. streaming platform that shows like a lot of classic movies, uh, indie movies. And they did uh, an event, um, I think a couple last week, where they showed Emma, one M, not two M's, not the recent one. Um, but this one played at TIFF a couple years ago and Sundance this past year. Um, it's yeah, directed by uh, Pablo Lorraine, Pablo. Uh, previously who made a Fantastic Woman, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Jackie. Um, and this is, he's going back to Chile where he's from and it's in Spanish with Gael Garcia Bernal. Um, and then the, the actress, the main actress is um, kind of unknown, like this was kind of one of her first roles, I believe. Um, and it's super polarizing, I feel. Um, a lot of people hate it, a lot That's, of people love it. Yep. Um, the story is kind of this modern, uh, I don't, it's, very, it's not, so it's one M, Emma, where that, the other Emma is like a Victoria area. This is like set in modern times. 
and it's about like this group of dancers and the main act the main character's a, a dancer but she's living in between these two worlds where she does like performance like high art dance but she also loves reggaeton music which is seen as like this like dirty like you know street kind of music that like people that go to prison listen to and that's like looked down upon and there's this like crazy story in between where she's like trying to divide a family or kind of like you think she's trying to divide a family but in fact she's bringing them together um because of her because of a kid that she adopted um it's very sexual so if you're not into that's what i heard over sexual stuff on screen i definitely wouldn't watch this with your parents um, but it's very, uh, very interesting. It's, uh, the colors are beautiful. The cinematography is great. Um, but is this more of like a like a thriller, or are you kind of it's a thriller for into sure. the drama on, on it? It's, yeah. I would say both. There's definitely very thriller aspects of it, where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and it definitely ends on a note I was not expecting, which I liked a lot. Um, but yeah, that's getting kind of polarizing reviews. And then the other thing I was watching, um, I've been watching since you guys know I'm a big Star Wars fan. Um, I finally caught the new season of Clone Wars, which is on Disney Plus. Mm, um, right. And I'd say if you know if you are a big Star Wars fan and you want to experience something a little bit, you know, less polarizing than the new stuff, um, I'd say the new season of Clone Wars is going back to like the roots of what makes Star Wars like the like its best, and I'd recommend it. Is this the series that Dave Filoni is in charge of? Yeah, um, it got canceled like a long time ago, back when it was on Cartoon Network, um, and they revived it for Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people seem to yeah. be in agreement that he's a very good. He created uh, Star Wars practically yeah. author I mean, for for this yeah. series. Yeah, he's the heir apparent of George Lucas. He taught him everything. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Uh, few interesting recommendations from Fernando. Uh, as for what I've been watching, uh, there's a couple indie movies, a couple VOD and virtual theater releases that uh, were on my radar. Oscilloscope Films, a company that we like a lot, uh, yeah. put out the movie Clementine, uh, this kind of low-key sexual thriller. Uh, start a familiar face in Sydney Sweeney, who, yeah. uh, like. aside from being on... Uh, uh, being on Euphoria, where we like her, she's also in Big Time Adolescence, and uh, has shown up in a few interesting uh, movies. Uh, this one is written and directed by Lara Gallagher, uh, and it has this kind of coming, like coming of age, sexual awakening thing going on, while also being this this sort of tense. Uh, thriller in a way or maybe a little bit of a suspense in that uh, details are sparse and characters act mysteriously around one another Uh, I was not super into this one but it did have it did show some promise in the way that it rides this tone uh, between different types of films so if you want to if the premise sounds interesting or you want to just look at a potential uh, female filmmaker who will be on the rise in Lara Gallagher I, I would recommend maybe checking out Clementine uh, another movie that maybe is a little bit more involving is called Blood and Money uh, it's kind of like a classic uh, bag of money movie mm-hmm. where a guy uh, happens upon a bag of money after a, ha- a hunting accident and just tries to sort of keep his head above water as people chase him and uh, bodies start to pile up. 
you know, it's, it's a role that probably Liam Neeson uh, would be com- <laughs> comfortable in in a more expensive version of this movie. Uh, so it's not necessarily like the craziest film. Uh, this one actually stars stars, uh, stars Tom Berenger, who uh, is a familiar character actor. It's written and directed by a guy named John Barr. And if you're just kind of looking for like a, a low key uh, action suspense film, uh, that might be worth your time. Uh, the thing that I've seen that a lot more people have seen is Westworld Season 3, uh, which I know Art and I have been talking about. And, uh, he has yet to take the plunge into that third season of Westworld. Uh, honestly, I don't know if I can recommend it. Uh, like, you know, I, at this point, I'm having a lot more fun listening to podcasts about Westworld that discuss all the possibilities and w- ways that like the show could have been more interesting than I am oh. watching this show. Oh man, it, which just always seems to take like the long journey to go through to to take a very short path. It's like uh, your math it, teacher, bro. <laughs> that whole long way just to be like, I'm just kidding. You can do it just, this way. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to show all your work. And, uh, Westworld this season did a lot of schlepping between different cities and, uh, around the globe. They had a whole, uh, story involving Jeffrey Wright's character where he's chasing, uh, Dolores across the ga- across the continent and, uh, all for basically nothing. Like uh, they, be- they pretty much could have cut Jeffrey Wright and Ed Harris out of this third season entirely and completely left the story unchanged. Uh, you know, there's maybe moments where Westworld does get exhilarating, uh, and, and, some choices they make that are fun. I, I'm always into the future tech that they come up with in the production design of the show, but the, the writing can just be so grown worthy, uh, whether it's talking about uh, civil wars and there was nothing civil about it or, or, or other stuff like that. I, I just, it's a show that just kind of disappoints. I gotta say like it, as many cool ideas as they throw out there, like a drug called genre that's supposed to let you experience Ooh. all the different film genres, Ooh. and then you get an entire episode where where like the romance genre is just some slow motion shots of Evan Rachel Wood. <laughs> like, go go crazy with it. Let me see some black and white. Start start talking in French for no reason, mm-hmm. and uh, it just, just doesn't have, feel like. Let's go. It just doesn't feel like the the creativity is necessarily all the way there. It's just a show that's involving a lot of interesting things, but not necessarily uh, fully executed them. It's not exactly like Alex Garland levels of uh, intricacies (laughs) with sci-fi and future tech. You think it's built into anything, though? You know, like the little... It always feels like it's built into something. I don't know, man. Uh, This season ends with... Uh, and no spoilers here, but it ends with sort of like a big culmination of one of their major characters in a, in a way that feels kind of like they might be uh, writing this character off of the show. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I don't think they are. But even even if they were, it's done in such an underwhelming way that it's kind of like it it, it just doesn't feel appropriate given how much we have invested how much time we have invested in this story. Mm-hmm. That's so you, literally all I've heard around. Yeah. So would you say it's like the opposite of game of Thrones, but it has the same effect where game of Thrones sped everything up. This is like taking everything slow, but it, it's still having the same effect. Kind of. Cause like this, another thing that was interesting about the third season of Westworld is that 
it's the first season of Westworld with only eight episodes rather than ten. Uh, and you figure, like, okay, it, would, yeah, it, it would be speeding things up. But I, I found entire storylines completely unnecessary. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I could have done this. I could have done with a four-season episode of – four-episode season of Westworld this year. That would have been fine to me. So you liked it. Okay. <laughs> Positive. Yeah. Lastly, uh, I'll throw out the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt interactive yeah. special. Just showed up on Netflix 11 recently. Hours long? <laughs> it kind of interesting in that uh, I thought they had ended this show. They talked about ending uh-huh. the show, and then they bring bring back everybody to do a different spin on the interactive special because we've seen Netflix do this before with Black Mirror and with that show Man vs. Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here it's kind of gives you a bunch of different alternate takes in, in a way. Uh, the, the, for me, the way that it works is that it lets – it lets them vamp on different ideas and it's like what would be the funniest way for this person to go about this thing it's kind of like when uh you see uh the outtakes of a comedy and you see like them throw out five different lines it's kind of like the the Mm. plotted out version (laughs) of that in a way it's like what would you know it would be funnier to call this character or call call that character so in a way it kind of works even though uh, the plot's not necessarily that involving. Yeah. It's almost like so easygoing that there isn't the pressure of like a Black Mirror Bandersnatch where it's like, uh, I don't know if I should throw myself off of a balcony or tell him to jump. You know, here it's like, <laughs> should I take the I, drugs we, or not? Like, yeah. Which, should I which hit my gag, father? Yeah. Which gag sounds like it'll be a little funnier. So, That's funny. Uh, it's a little bit of a less pressure filled interactive special. That's cool. That's that's yeah. like I, I can't even be upset at that, because they found a way to use all of their B lines. You know, like we always have troubles. Like, what thumbnail should we post? Netflix was yeah. like, give them the option to do both. Right, right. That's, okay. Uh, that's and cool. if you want to find the Easter egg with all of the deleted scenes, you have to call Donna Maria a couple times and push three and listen to the entire uh, taco themed Twelve Days of Christmas song, and then push three again. I'm gonna wait till it's anyway. on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, let us know what you've been watching in the comments below on YouTube or by shooting us an email. The address for that is intercutpod at gmail.com. We are going to move on to the yay or nay, and it's a movies and TVs themed yay or nay. It's the review-a-palooza because there's so much stuff that's come out that uh, we can't just talk about it into what we're watching. We need to talk about more things. Uh, We're going to start it off with the half of it. This is the new Netflix romantic dramedy written and directed by Alex. Alice Wu. It was a Tribeca Award winner um, about a cash-strapped teen who agrees to write love letters for a jock and then unexpectedly finds herself falling for the woman that she's writing letters for. Uh, It's kind of another cute entry in Netflix's list of teen-skewing romantic comedies. Uh, Art, did you think it was better, though, than the average uh, romantic comedy from Netflix? Uh, if we were to consider the average romantic comedy being something like Sierra Burgess is a loser, <laughs> then this 100% yeah. kills it. Because while I was watching it, I was like, yo, this is Sierra Burgess done right. And then it's, yeah, I don't want to blink on the name over here, but it's obviously based off of the, the like old play, like the which is exactly Cyrano or, or whatever it's called, which is, exact, Cyrano, yes. which is exactly was, what um, yeah. uh, Burgess was about as well. I was like, 
oh, it's it's the premise. Okay, they're both taking it from the same. This does it better. Uh, it had one Tribeca, like you had said, and I really like hearing the behind the scenes that the director has been talking about. I think the performances uh, and even just the way that they shoot things. You know, there's a, b- a bunch of moments that I, I really liking that Netflix is doing because I am very critical of their 80s present shows you know they want mm-hmm. to be in the present and have all the anxiety but then they don't know how to do cell phones so hey, let's just revert back to the 80s nah I, I really like how they do it here uh, there's a scene everyone's in the classroom I think it's like the choir classroom and they all get a text and you see it all come up at the same time they laugh teacher goes around oblivious oblivious to the digital world going on I thought they captured that pretty well there's a lot of totally. uh, editing uh, decisions and cuts just with the movement it flows uh the main guy's a doofus complete and utter doofus as you broke down with the plot um but i i really do like her. i want to make sure uh, leah lewis seeing her performance then seeing her talk in interviews oh she an actress actress gotcha yeah Very yeah good. i yeah, thought yeah, that was uh, both leah lewis and uh you mentioned daniel uh dimer as paul the kind mm-hmm. of like oblivious jock Oofy. i thought this was like an excellent showcase for both of those uh young actors who yeah. were, were just so uh charming and affable in the parts like uh you know especially uh leia lewis she's playing uh in ellie this kind of co- what could be a very frustrating character in how closed off she is to other people and yeah. how uh reserved she is you know we we're we want her to do more we as our protagonist as the people person were rooted uh, we have a rooting interest in, uh, but she keeps the performance really believable throughout. And you mentioned uh, the Cyrano thing, that this is a film sort of based on the play Cyrano de Bergerac. Uh, I think when I was beginning of the movie, I was worried about that because it does really feel familiar. Uh, there's a lot of films that sort of take that general conceit. Uh, and then, you know, as the movie progresses, it does have this... Uh, cleverness to the way that it goes about it mm-hmm. you mentioned some of the beauty beautiful sequences like there's that great sequence in which they communicate to each other through uh, graffiti on a wall mm-hmm. and it takes the idea of corresponding through letters and elevates it and makes it cinematic in a way mm-hmm. that a lot of these movies don't necessarily do uh i i i think it had a lot of personality obviously these are like hyper literate teens in a way that's like it's like <laughs> reminiscent of Dawson's Creek or something. It's like yeah, Sorkin doesn't really write dialogue for teenagers, but mm-hmm. like this is what it would sound like. Uh, and like, yeah, that can be maybe unrealistic, but I think it help get helps gets to the like the the, the big emotions that these characters are feeling and it is expressive in a way that feels genuine, even if it might not be super genuine. Uh, Fernando, what what were your impressions of the half yeah, of it? And, and I just thought of something <laughs> in terms of the hyperliterate. You know, I didn't graduate high school too long ago, and I'm pretty sure no girl in my high school knew who Wim Wenders was. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah you just didn't meet him, bro. That's true. You just didn't meet him. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a cute movie. I I do think their chemistry, uh, Paul and Ellie, um, was really good. Um, but I will say one of my favorite, if not my favorite character in the movie, was the dad. Just was like, what a great dad, you know, showing her his daughter all the classics. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> that, that line he has where it's like, this is the best part. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cute. I will say there are some moments, obviously, that like go into like the classic teenager coming of age tropes or that have characters yeah. that are very like, like streamlined, like 
like the other jock character who was very also goofy and he was like you know ellie i know you love me and i was just like get off my screen um but yeah. i do i do like uh the three of them characters and the, the other girl who i forgot her the character name um but yeah i thought it was a cute movie so I think we're all in agreement that this is a this is a yes yeah. on this movie. Yeah, and my or favorite line out of it's got to be her doing the homework for the entire class. And the teacher yeah. going, continue doing that. Yeah, then yeah, I'd have yeah. to read their papers <laughs> if it was the other way. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, another show that we've all seen on Netflix is The Eddie. Mm, it's yes, the uh, show star in a French club. Uh, about the everyday chaos of dealing with live music in the heart of Paris. This one has two episodes. The first two episodes directed by Damien Chazelle. It's also got an interesting cast, starting with Andre Holland, as well as Joanna Kulig and Amanda Stenberg. Uh, Fernando, what did you like more, the Eddie or the soundtrack to the Eddie? Mm. Uh, okay, I love the soundtrack for the Eddie. Um, so I could talk, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, um, so feel free to stop me if I go too much. But <laughs> here's my first gripe with the Eddie, and it's not even the show's fault. Whoever, like the people marketing, the people talking about the show, Agreed. Damien Chazelle's yes. The yes, Eddie. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and look, they do it. And they're pretending like they're not, Yeah, but they are. Yeah, and here's the thing. I didn't even like look i didn't go on imdb i didn't see like the credits for this so going in i thought this was damien chazelle's the eddie and when i saw after the third episode it was a different director i was like hold up wait he didn't do all the whole season and then i just found out only the first two of yeah, it and then i found out he didn't even write it or create it i was like okay so they just brought him on to direct it like you know fincher with mindhunter um and he produces it but in terms of the they actual do. show in terms of the actual show i like it feels to me like there's a plot A and a plot B. And yes. I like the plot A where it's like the bands, uh, you know, the family dynamic. Father, and the daughter. Plot B, yeah. It's the, they, the, the crime stuff yeah. needs to go in yeah. another, nothing. Just yeah. the trash bin, the recycling bin. I don't know what, that yeah. felt like, he was talking about how it feels like there's no creator. And I've seen this be discussed everywhere where nobody knows if it's Damien Chazelle. Is it Jack, is, is it Thorns, right? He's the other yeah, guy. Yeah. Who, Jack Thorne. He's right? Because I'm actually. seeing right now that it does say created by Jack Thorne. Yeah. yeah. So it's his show then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really his show. He needed to cut down half that. Yeah, yeah. It's really, I think they said that he got the idea because he heard the musicians, like the composers. Um, he heard they had all the songs and he was like, oh, I yeah. need to write a show around this, um, which the songs are. I love the soundtrack. I think it's great. Um, but yeah, that police storyline is as the season progressed, it just got way more and more or less interesting. And every time he went to that police station, I was like, go back to the club, please. Yeah. 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 My, my favorite part was the daughter, the, the father daughter mm -hmm. dynamic. It, while the band stuff was cool, it took me a little bit to get into it until I realized mm. Oh, okay. Because it's like, how are you supposed to imitate jazz, right? And mm -hmm. in the first two episodes, which I, I, I don't know if you mentioned it, Zach, the film? Shooting with film? Mm -hmm. If y'all want to mention uh, if I'm missing anything, but well, only yeah, it, Damien got yeah, to film Yeah, for whatever reason, Netflix chose to let Damien Chazelle film the first two episodes on film. Mm -hmm. And then the following six episodes were all shot digitally, uh, which you you do notice. There's a noticeable difference in grain and film stock quality uh, between episodes two and three. Uh, Obviously, you know, Damien would be given the yeah, money. I don't know if that necessarily like affected my enjoyment of it as a whole, mm -hmm. but it is sort of like it, it's a weird 
uh, shift yeah. midway through a series. You can't help but think, oh, most of your budget went in there. If this is a show and you got Damien Chazelle, who loves jazz and everything's on the go, and is probably wasting how much film trying to get sporadic moments, yeah. which is clearly the way that it shot. It's like, uh, unless they had him on a tight, very, you know, unless you schedule jazz, which he's told us in three movies you can't. Yeah. I don't even know how much they spent on those first two episodes. No wonder they had to go back to digital. Maybe they had him doing two episodes and they went, Damien, this cannot continue. Yeah, yeah, he said, yeah. then I can't continue. And they're like, great. Um, we'll tire other guys to do it in digital. <laughs> but there are those moments where it captures them just like in a moment, just chilling. Mm-hmm. They, they're able to like, you know, uh, kind of like how Decker shoots her movies where all of a sudden you end up in a nostril. But yeah. you're like, oh yeah, this is the shot. This got the emotion we needed. Uh, I don't know. There, that- there is a uh, curiosity and a energy to the way that his Easily. camera moves, particularly in those first two episodes that I found uh, particularly like stylish and captivating in in a way. Like I, I was in awe of uh, the way that it was assembled. That you know, uh, Damien Chazelle is a guy who's gotten some criticism in the past for uh, the the visuals of the band playing not matching up to the audio of the band playing and the one I, best i'm editing. sure he went into that one being like nobody's gonna fucking Fine. talk to yeah. me about shit not matching up in this one mm-hmm. uh, so the actual photography of the jazz playing is pretty great pretty here good. uh uh and it also you know i i agree that uh it's at its best when it is kind of this like family dynamic and this sort of simmering quality of trying to put together something uh the crime element to the show it you know it takes a turn in the first episode Mm -hmm. that feels like it's from a completely different show first of all and then uh the rest of the stuff feels either mis misjudged or kind of like strange I, i just I don't know if it's because I'm used to the American cop dynamic and this is in France, yeah. but it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like that, it, though, including the guy from Les Miserables that they had. I know a big pitch as I was reading interviews was that they wanted to show France as France, not France as how France wants to be seen, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. found was interesting. Right. Um, right. But yeah. Sorry, uh, keep going. Were you also hinting at not really getting super into it right away? Because I found the yes. first episode, I, I found it hard to grab hold of the first really? episode. Yeah, I text you guys um, when I finally got into it in episode three. <laughs> so I do want to rewatch the series again because as many have yeah. said, it's one of it's a hangout miniseries, yeah. which do you guys really think it's going to be a miniseries? That's the other thing. That you know, the it ends right when we're like, we got it. Cool, I want to hang out with these guys. And then they're like... Because the way they, it, the way they titled the episodes, it seems like, okay, the last episode yeah. the last episode. But the way the story ends, I'm like, wait, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, are you interested in more episodes of The Eddie? I have no idea. They shoot them all on film. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? So uh, that's maybe more of a, a mixed recommendation across the board on, on The Eddie. Yeah, surprisingly, I was expecting this to be like a really big release, and nah, a lot more people were talking about some of the other shows we'll be talking about in a bit. I did have a a moment where I was like, man, this jazz singer who sounds Polish has a really good voice that sounds familiar, (laughs) and then (laughs) it turns out it's the uh, singer from Cold War, so uh, that was was another cool little bit of casting Mm -hmm. there. I like Joanna Coolidge's presence. Uh, and Andre Holland is really good. The acting oh, is really good. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I don't know if we specified that either. Yeah. Oh, he's Stenberg great. He's Amanda great. Amanda's really great in the show as yeah. well. I thought they both killed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
Dead to Me season Let's two. Let's go, baby. The uh, twist and turn filled Netflix drama returns for uh, another season. Christina Applegate, uh, Linda Cardellini, and their misadventures uh, back for ten more twi- uh, ten more episodes full of cliffhangers. Art. Uh, we got a chance to watch all these episodes. Did the second season stack up to the first? No. No, we rewatched them. There's yeah. something about that first season that sh- it, they took a little extra time on the stitching, on the mm-hmm. inside stitching, Zach, that no one's even supposed to see. I'm not saying they rushed the second, because I still really enjoy the second season. I'm not yeah. saying they rushed it, but it feels a little different. And I also think that there's a lot of, ed- right? And there's a lot of editing choices and stuff like that. Could be the turnover, because you have all the time in the world to do the first season. They try to rush you with the second season, and I wonder if Netflix does that because I've noticed many times they go to a second season and the turnover rate is usually what causes a lot of things to to go really quick. Mm-hmm. I do overall like it, and I still think that they're sticking to all of the exact theming with, with it being like it's a comedy show about grief, really, at its core. Right. Uh, and it's these two friends that are coping with it and finding each other as, as, as a you know, form of solitude, as a, as a form of escape uh, from all the crazy stuff that they face. Uh, I don't think the comedy works as great the second season as it did the first season for me. And that has to do a lot with the editing, I I, I feel. There was some scenes, and you guys may know what I'm talking about. I really don't want to spoil it because I know there was... We got all these things about what not to spoil. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're intercut. And I'd like to think we're we're pretty cool. We like like all you intercuties who listen to us. Um, But the official people just did not care about those rules. So I don't know when it changes for us, Zach, when, when we can talk about whatever, but... Uh, I'll try to keep it non-spoilerish completely. There's certain editing things that happen. There's one specific reveal that happens with the music that's going which is a cool Best edit. twist of the season. That's a that's great twist. I felt like that's the editing I would find like in a CW show, not not yeah, in the season yeah. one of this. And that's just to say one, but there's multiples of that. There's um uh, a, a Venmo joke that's made and I'm like no you're a real estate agent I, you would know what Venmo is but I get the bit that you're going for there and I feel that they did a lot of that uh, a lot of jokes that felt like I'm older you're younger there was a lot of influencer jokes that also happened as well I was like oh y'all better than this as well uh, but overall I still like the second season I like the relationships that were made it ended not a cliffhanger it's like a cliffhanger, yeah. but it's not even a cliffhanger because you think, oh, my goodness, is that person? No, we just heard them. And right. There's not an 11th. Ep- okay. A lot of these uh, Netflix stuff are just ending. Like they just- yeah. The second season ends uh, w- with a bit with a moment that happens uh, that I think leaves a character we care less about as the one who's going to be worried. going. Thank into the you. New that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned how finely stitched together that first season is, and it does Beautiful. feel like something that was like he- like heavily plotted down to the T. Uh, that when they're leaving a couple breadcrumbs out there, they're doing it because they know they have a payoff coming. Uh, and I found this season was a lot of trying to somehow keep the wheels spinning. You know, they they wrote themselves into a little bit of a corner mm-hmm. with the way that uh, season one ends and. Just some of the decisions that are necessary in order to keep this going as a show that clearly they're going to be they're interested in doing more than just two seasons of. Yep. Which is really you confusing kind of have, to me. You kind of have to make some decisions that are a, a little bit less than believable. Uh, there are certain 
conclusions made by people investigating crimes that would not be their conclusions in any reasonable world. But I think what Dead to Me revealed in its second season is how heavily it, it is a soap opera. You know, some of these shows kind of hide their soap opera tendencies, but when you're oh, going to like... Don't to me. It's true. When, you, when you're suddenly revealing uh, oh. previously unmentioned identical twins, like... You're you're kind of a soap opera, and maybe you're a smartly written and really well acted soap opera, but it, it's starting to feel a little bit like that. I really like Linda Cardellini in it. She's very good, and that's ultimately what elevates this beyond being, you know, something that's not a, a little like cheesy. Is their that performances the relationship are between these two is so good, and and their dynamic is yep. so fun. That you want to stick with them. You still uh, they bring it. on. They bring in Natalie Morales, an actress that I really love, and, and she's a great dynamic, a great addition to the show. So mm. uh, her banter. Was I'm great still. As well. I'm still down to hang out with the show, although it's not necessarily as. Uh, it feels a little bit more like candy than uh, the first season did. Mm. Yeah. Solar Opposites, it's the new show from Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Roiland that uh, just unveiled its first ep- first season of eight episodes on Hulu. Uh, this is not with co-creator Dan Harmon, but it still has the Rick and Morty vibes. Uh, we've been talking about how this kind of feels like the American dad to the family guy of uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, art. Was this up to the standard that we expect from Rick and Morty? I personally don't have a standard for Rick and Morty. All right. People tell me there is a standard for Rick and Morty. (laughs) I see them do everything that they claimed was against that standard of Rick and Morty. Uh, I think what they do is everything that everybody else is doing, but before they can get called out on it, they go, ha, is that funny, right? (laughs) Look at everybody else that does spinoffs. Then do the spinoff. Commercials and selling. Then do the commercial. They make them good. They make them well. They make them hilarious. But they're still doing all the things that they said they weren't going to do. Mm. I don't know how long the shtick will last. We have talked about 72 episodes being done for Rick and Morty. And I mean, I don't know when they'll write themselves to a corner. But they're still going. So I don't know. I, I, I'm yeah. not sure what the consensus is on this show. I thought it was okay. Uh, the humor was a lot meaner than I expected it to be. But yeah. it was okay. It was okay. Yeah, I mean, I have cynical underlined in my notes because this is just like a it, – it, this is a show that just dislikes people a lot more than Rick and Morty, I feel like. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I had uh, – I think I might have even tweeted that this is a show that's like all Rick and no yeah. Morty. There's none of the heart uh, mm, that yes. uh, you, you kind of want from uh, – to sort of redeem some of these characters. No. Uh, and, you know, and like it can't – you know, it's weird because they, they – it's beyond certain things like the presence of Justin Roiland's voice. He does the voice for Rick and Morty, and he does the voice of the main two characters on this show. It's the similar animation style. It's also like this casual and aggravated use of this mind-blowing, hyper-advanced future tech. There's so many uh, ways in which this show em- uh, mo- like mimics Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. but it misses the kind of central thing that kind of makes it watchable is, is this dynamic between uh, the characters in Rick and Morty. Did you get to see this? Because I know you're a bigger Rick and Morty fan than the two of us. I and haven't. I don't hate Rick and Morty. Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't yet. Um, 
Especially, I think, because after I saw Zach's tweet, I was like, oh, that's kind of unfortunate. And I still have to finish Rick and Morty, the new season. So I don't know if yeah. I'll probably watch that before I watch Solar Opposites. Uh, I'd ask what Rick and Morty fan thinks, but they probably already let us know down below in the comments <laughs> section. Uh, episode 2 has a Green Rune reference, and I still didn't like it. <laughs> I, hey, I hear it gets better towards the end, because I heard that a lot of the, like, the jokes that they make end up becoming like central plot points towards the end, which I know Rick and Morty does it all like a throwaway line and yeah. becoming like the whole premise of an episode later. So I'm sure there's yeah. still that I'll be watching in the background. I was only able to catch three, um, but three is always enough to let you know the tone of a show for the most part. Right. So I think Rick and Morty like, fans will like it, but I watched the first four and I just did not enjoy any of them. So it's hard for me to get past that. That being said, I I do believe that sometimes comedies in particular take a little time to find their footing. So for sure, uh, I'm sure I'm sure by season three I will hear that it's great. Do you think this is part of the seventy deal? Like if this is if I don't know if this is, I think it's part of the continuity. This is a Hulu exclusive, yeah. Huh. I think it's it's a different deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Josh Trank returned to our lives. Oh, the uh, director of Chronicle, director of Fantastic Four, uh, back out on his own, writing, directing, and editing the film Capone, starring Tom Hardy as a 47-year-old Al Capone after years in prison when he's start suffering from dementia. He's haunted by his violent past. He while while hanging out at his Florida mansion, Art. Uh, we've both seen this one. What did you think of the return of Josh Trank? Linda Carlini was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout to our girl Linda Carlini. Other than that, this twice this, one episode. This should have this should have been called. It should have. They should have kept the name Fonzo. Or called it The Haunting of Al Capone because all he does is see images of his past and poop his pants. And that's all it is. I love Tom Hardy. That means that I've seen Tom Hardy plenty of times to know, oh, you're just having my man default to the Tom yeah. Hardy from Lawless. Tom Hardy that makes noises. You know, I've seen y'all default my man to this. Okay. Yeah. Supposedly this was, was a cerebral comeback. He called, uh, Josh Trank called it his first real film. Yeah. First real uh, film. That's. Shout out to the great Matt Patch's article. Fantastic we'll breakdown that he had there. Uh, but if you recall, that whole BTS like from Fantastic Four was so bad with like him belittling Mara to all the different all the rumors that came out. I still have the quote here, right? There have been a lot of times, and just a reminder, he had three dogs damage a hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, <laughs> of a house that they were renting. All right, and he was just like, "Eh, dogs gonna do what dogs gonna do." There have been a lot of times when I've been told, this is how you should handle this. And I handle it in a different way. And it turns out in my favor, he said. Then there have also been times where I've been wrong and it has only resulted in complete disaster. That is Snyder Cut energy if I've ever seen any. I think that this is a man that definitely, like at 26 years old, right? He became the youngest director to have a number one movie at the box office. Right. That was Chronicle. And him... Growing up, he believed that he, he could be the next Spielberg. Spielberg was 27 when he had his first number one. That's something you can't ever take away. And I think that there is an ego that lives inside this man. That no matter what, like he had Venom, Shadow of the Colossus movie. Oh my gosh. And a Star deals Wars Deals to film. make all of these. All yeah. deals to make these things. And they all fell that through. Were, and instead he yeah. decided, you know what I want to make? I want to make Capone where Tom Hardy just poops all over the place. And if y'all don't take it seriously... 
Well, I guess you can't because who did he have as his lawyer? The damn writer of the Chappelle show appears the out Neil of Brennan. nowhere. I had to find Neil Brennan's uh, like Twitter page to, feel, to see that. Was this like a last minute edition? He's like, I don't usually make movies, but when I do, I just appear like the last second. He's smiling through half of his shots. And yes, this is one of the scenes where Tom Hardy poops his pants. And there's a comedian sitting right there. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, I th- I do think to an extent Josh Trank knows what he's doing here and that he he's trying to like show this grotesque image of this awful man who's become haunted by his past and now is just deteriorating in the last year of his life, right? Like he's not trying to make a hagiography or make us like Al Capone. He's trying to to make this guy as gross as he was in life, I guess. Uh, no. That doesn't mean it's like any pleasant to watch. Yep. That doesn't mean that there's like any real insight to be gained from watching Tom Hardy repeatedly defile himself. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's like a thoroughly unpleasant movie. Yeah. Uh, just, just from scene to scene, it's it's sloppy. Vi- it's vile <laughs> and it's sloppy. gross. And I, 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 to an extent, I can admire uh, the sheer like crazy adventure that Tom Hardy is going on in this character. But I think, you know, he does this thing where if he's not reined in, he, he will just go to, he'll do like 150% acting rather than giving you what you need. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, And like, you know, he'll put on a voice (sighs) and rather than being a voice that feels like a human, it feels like a put on. To me, he sounds like a cartoon dog with laryngitis in this movie. A little bit. And it's it doesn't make me think like, oh, wow, what a performance. It makes me think he's trying so hard. He's doing so much to make himself look ugly because he, he wants to be this character actor. And I think it requires uh, a little bit more of like a deft, a lighter touch. Uh, if they're actually trying to get this to work, if they want this performance to to be something you believe, it's weirdly entertaining in parts. Like when he's running around the mansion yeah. in a diaper with a gold machine gun, like it's kind of dumbly hilarious. I don't. That's not the kind of movie that sticks that with point. me, though, or yeah. makes me makes me feel like it's worth my time or worth recommending. Yeah. Agreed. He sounds like Kermit with Corona, but like that's not going to be something that you remember by the end of the year. And half of it is like. What was the purpose of it? Because he calls it like, Trent calls it his reawakening as well. But I was like, this is a miserable time in Al Capone's life where he didn't know anything. He was going through like uh, dementia practically as well and then just dies. Like it's, he, he had just spent, spent the previous years in Alcatraz. Like, what's it called? Yeah, Alcatraz. Is that where it's at? Yeah, Alcatraz. What's yeah. the one in San Francisco? Yeah. Alcatraz. I'm like, what would he be doing? I just yeah. visited that last summer. There is no inspiration you get from there, of course. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think- uh, I think it is kind of interesting, like, the ideas behind it. I kind of, if you look at it, kind of in the vein of Irishman, without, like, the buildup where it's, like, the last Bro, of it. Bro, I, wrote, I yeah. wrote that in here. I said, because like the, they even have, uh, what's her name, who was in the, I feel so bad disrespecting her, who was also in the Irishman as well. Mm-hmm. She plays a character in this, uh, Buffalino's wife, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I thought the exact same thing. It's like yeah. a bad version of the Irishman of, oh, this gangster in his final days. And I was like... The Irishman did the psyche way better. Yeah. So I never felt like you actually get into his mind. Uh, The most that I felt were his reactions when he's looking. He all of a sudden finds himself back in a room and the guy's like, boss, let me show you how to do it. And just 
overly does it overly and he just gives a face and you can't help but laugh like you cannot show this in public and expect not for people not to laugh with josh trank in the room yeah like it's just goofy the way they zoom in on him and that's was my face for half of the movie was just when you put already looking at the stuff that was happening when he put the carrot in his mouth (laughs) (laughs) capone no. Just, just every every bodily function, you know, he, vomit and piss Ugh. and shit and spit and I mean, like, it, yeah, it, it's you know good for Tom Hardy for willing to like put his his performance yeah. that on that risky of a edge, but it's just not. It feels like more like watching The Room than watching I don't, I don't know some some Scorsese film. Dude, there are so many Al Capone movies. You should not be on the bottom half of the list. <laughs> All I'm saying. Yeah. The Great. It's a new show coming to mm, Hulu yes. this Friday. Uh, stars Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning in oh. uh, 18th century Russia. Elle Fanning is married to, uh, gets married to the emperor of uh, Russia and finds herself suddenly the empress, uh, empress of a great nation or maybe not so great mm-hmm. uh, it, it's got a little bit of an irreverent edge uh even though it takes place in this period piece setting the characters uh, don't speak like they do in period pieces and uh it, it's got a quirky humor to it uh maybe a little bit inspired by the favorite although i wouldn't say it's nearly as weird as the same writer uh same writer oh, is it, is same, it the same writer, writer? There, well, you there we go, go. i mean Right off at the uh, beginning, they tell you, uh, what is it? The Great, in, uh, based off a true story. Sometimes. <laughs> Look, yeah. Sometimes. That's every be- every beginning. Sometimes. Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, you. There will be 10 episodes on Hulu. We have caught, I've caught the first three. I think you've caught the first two, three. I, I was almost done with the third one, so very close to that as well, yeah. Uh, so how are you enjoying The Great so far? Uh, so earlier in the year, like right when the quarantine had started, I had actually, uh, I didn't get to finish Emma, but I had seen the beginning of it as well as a bunch of interviews with the behind the scenes. And I was like, oh, they're going for the same tone that I'd seen in, uh, Wild Nights with Emily, the favorite, which again, was same writer here. Uh, and it keeps that very satirical tone throughout it. I'm I'm trying to find one of my favorite lines here because she herself, you know, has this whole concept of what love is and what she's going to do for the country and everything. And then Peter the third of russia comes in and he's like now nah, i'm gonna do something else and there's a, a really funny scene where she just straight up asks him because she's catherine the great uh which there's also an hbo series with helen mirren uh that's out um but she tells him yo uh were you the great he's like no that's my father he's like oh that's 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 crazy because i'm the great <laughs> so it definitely has that back and forth it's definitely like oh 20 20 writers for a show that takes uh place in the past but it's kind of funny. I actually find it funnier than the favorite. I mean, I think it's a little bit more like punchline oriented than the favorite. There's which a I guess is why I like it more. Joke. Um, I I find the favorite to be a much more like richly complex world and the way in which the the women of the favorite end up sort of like torturing one another. I think is a, a far more a far more interesting thing, but. Uh, there is like a surprisingly interesting plot here in The Great Two in that Elle Fanning uh, is sort of installing herself as a potential uh, successor yeah. and uh, or, or usurper even of Peter the Great. And there's this like in, there's, there's this 
kind of power struggle and she's also trying to navigate her way without being killed because this is a time in which, uh, you know, if you threaten the king, he'll just, or the emperor, he'll just murder you. And um, what's she doing the first some of the ways. Yeah, well, in, in some of the ways in which it'll lean into that depraved sort of medieval, uh, like, depra- uh, like lack of morals, it can be very funny. Uh, just the the way is in which he he uses people and dismisses people. It it rem- it reminds us of sort of the traditional uh, narratives that we have, that we've seen, but has this funny nature to it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whether it's the repartee, like you're saying, or it's just the inversion of this period setting, I do think it's pretty enjoyable. Nick Holt's very funny in it. Elle Fanning is really good in it too. Mm-hmm. I thought she was pretty good. Um, I am very curious to see where it goes because I remember reading the synopsis to it right Same. before, right? And she says that she wants to take control and, and be able to, you know, push everything, resolve changes. All she has to do is kill her husband, defeat the church, baffle the military, and get the court on her side. <laughs> and I guess that's how the whole season's broken down because right in episode one, she, she's ready to kill the dude. And by episode two, she's starting to coup. Uh, but I, I do think it's really interesting. I'm curious to see where it goes. Nicholas yeah. Holt clearly loves to be in this world since he's still at it again. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I actually, this is one of the ones that I'm very, uh, I'm very much looking forward to finishing because I love the titles. First episode, the great second episode, the beard second, third episode. And you, sir, are no Peter the Great. It's the one I was talking about. Uh, and they get even crazier. So I'm excited for it. I really like it. So, uh, definitely, I'm definitely going to stick with that one too. Maybe we'll, uh, come back and talk a little bit more about it once we've seen more episodes, but we are both recommending that. I made a mistake, though. We got one more show that we want to talk about, and it's Control Z, which is Ah. premiering on Netflix this Friday. Uh, They've sent us the first two episodes, but there will be eight. Uh, Fernando, tell me a little bit about Control Z. Uh, So Control Z, right off the bat, this baffled me, because I didn't even know it was a Mexican show, or like in Spanish. (laughs) I was like, wait, this is in Spanish? Um... So Mexican uh, series on Netflix um, about, you know, the modern world technology uh, set in the school. You know, you have different different characters. You have the, pot, the rich kid. You have the bully. You have the, you know, the the one who's new kind kid of the new kid. The yeah. weird one. Yeah. Um, and basically there's a hacker that's going around exposing a bunch of secrets from everyone. Uh, stuff gets crazy. Everyone's trying to like figure out who it is. Um, and yeah, uh, it wasn't particularly my jam. The first two episodes. Um, but I'll let Art say what he thinks about it. That's okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I like the idea that they're going for of looking at like technology. Again, we mm-hmm. can continue to complain that they never focus in on the technology. I think they do a really good job here. She's practically psych. The main character yeah, that we yeah. follow is Sophia, and they pretty much the whole student body is like, you can solve it because you <laughs> you're like psych. You look at everything and you yeah. you piece it together. So they want her to pretty much solve the case because whoever this person is, it's a Twitter account mm-hmm. that is just exposing all of their secrets one by one, and you realize that it's almost kind of like the box some of these people get told hey i'm gonna reveal your secrets unless you tell me a secret on somebody else mm-hmm. and then you realize oh, idiots they all fell for it and that's how everyone's secrets start going yeah. out there's been some hints here and there i know that they sent us two episodes because i guess episode three must be a bombshell uh there's a total of how many did you say eight eight so i, I don't know where they're gonna take it I, I still think it's very much in the vein of an elite uh, the society, a, a mm. lot of the, the teen it's, ones that they have. It sounds a little to me like 
13 Reasons Why without the questionable depictions of suicide? Bro, it's 13 Reasons Why down to the damn uh, therapist actually being the rapist almost to a degree. Like this man's, this man's talking about allegations that they say at the beginning. They're like, we need to throw this party. He's like, well, no, there was allegations. And he goes, I mean, the allegations were just rumors. I'm like, bro, you're the therapist of the school. <laughs> yeah. So yes, 13 Reasons Why. All of the Netflix shows, two episodes isn't enough to, to deem whether yeah. it's better or worse than the other ones. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay so far. I will say my one big gripe with this show is... You as Mexican, why is the texting in English? That annoyed the <laughs> hell out of me. I was like, why? Everything, yeah. And and there's a, a lot more than language that's yeah. broken down between uh, Spanish and English, you know? Like there's por, you know? We would never do time something, but in yeah. Spanish you do use the times table thing to say like por whatever. Yeah. Kind of like how we do with with a slash, as for short for with. There's different things like that. I, I don't get it. I don't know if that's a translation thing that Netflix automatically hard coded, but yeah, that right. that was a little. I noticed that too. Yeah, that threw me off. But yeah. All right, so uh, maybe not recommending Control Z, uh, but we've been talking about a lot of new stuff. Let us know if you watched any of these movies and TV shows and whether or not you liked them or did not like them. Uh, but that's about it for yay or nay. We're going to go on to the interview and answer questions by you, the intercuties. Uh, so be an intercutie and send us a question by leaving it in the comments on YouTube or hitting us up on social media at intercutpod or emailing us intercutpod at gmail.com. We're going to start it out with a question that we got from Instagram. Instagram this week asking what do we think will be the next company or thing that innovates and pushes us to the next level of storytelling Uh, we uh, we've already had the fake James Dean movies shot on green screen VR interactive movies etc what do we think the next big thing will be uh, art. I know you like to read up on the latest happenings in streaming entertainment and uh, such. Do you, did you get any insight from one of your newsletters? Do you have uh, uh, the I, next big thing for us? I don't know about the next, next big thing. I have some ideas. I still think VR is our next retelling to the future. I mean, everything is, is going at it. South by just announced their uh, VR thing through, um, Oculus. I also am aware that last year when we were at Sundance, Oculus made a deal. They made one of those deals for an amount that is like, oh, we're, they made the deal that's going to affect everybody in five years. So I'm waiting for that. I truly do think that VR is going to be the next big one that they're that they're gearing up for. Uh, on top of that, Alejandro Ngaritu made one not too long ago. His 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 the last project that he made was a VR film about crossing the border. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But he did it all out. You need like an entire setup to do it. So I don't know if that may be the next big thing uh, or if it just, you know, if we're talking about movies in general. I There was that one time you and I had covered what the, the tower, the, the, the Dark Tower series was supposed to be with Tom Hardy, which was that multi-platform storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And they had an idea, but it fell apart. Now, I don't, it didn't sound like you need to watch the Marvel Disney Plus series to know the movies. It sounded like some actual thing where it was a massive story told through all these different avenues. I am a big Across fan. movies and TV yes. and graphic novels. I know yeah. we're talking VR, but I am a big fan of uh, AR as well and a- ARG marketing, which Cloverfield yeah. has done, which a lot of other movies have done, which is make the story itself an ongoing thing. Not, it's not even lore. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, which like Star Wars, they let you know what's happening in the galaxy far, far away. This is like ongoing storytelling that's happening through technology. Uh, sometimes even being able to find things like Cloverfield was hiding puzzle pieces yeah, that they right. were missing in the movie. Uh, so I don't know if that may be a new form of technology just because really it's it's engagement that I feel people want, even though we're seeing on YouTube. If you can find the comment section, it's not down below. <laughs> it's a little bit higher now. Um I, I think that that may be the way that we go, but I still think that for the foreseeable future, Ready Player One, it's going to be Ready Player One style. Yeah. That's what I think it's going to be. Being able to input yourself into a movie. Kind of like the Westworld can't, episode, but better. Can't believe nobody said Queeby. I did say Queeby. Did, I said it earlier. Wait, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't actually think that. but uh, uh, Did you see what he said? Uh, we got to talk about that just for a little bit. Did you see what this man said? <laughs> this man really blamed it all on the coronavirus and said, yo... <laughs> I know, I, uh, I know yeah. I'm a media guy trying to take down Trump, but I'm going to sound like Trump by saying I take no responsibility. <laughs> Boy, get out of uh, here. Yeah, maybe not Jeffrey Katzenberg's best call there. Nope. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree on the VR thing just because even though we have a lot of people who are doing VR movies and uh, making new VR games, like it just hasn't had that point. We haven't where broken through it yet. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, augmented reality was a thing, and then Pokemon Go kind of took that to like a whole other level where mm-hmm. it became this this thing that a lot of people were participating in. I don't know if VR necessarily has had that moment yet, and uh, it exactly. might be up Thank next you. to have that kind of moment. Hey, I have an A to Z video that's three years old. Didn't do well at all, but I stand by it when it finally comes to fruition. Everything I said three years ago, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, also, if we're just talking about like the next big thing, as in like what's going to be a big thing in the next couple of months, drive-in movie theaters are back. Oh, I yeah. think. <laughs> Wait, I mean, they, they open some near you. Uh, they're opening on May fifteenth. They're hustling, so. bustling over here as well, trying to get some of the movies out. Uh, they're playing older movies at the moment, but mm-hmm. hey, that's what you use May and all of June for, and half of July, so that tenant comes out. Because yeah, Nolan yeah. said he ain't moving that one, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got all excited about the idea of going to a movie uh, because I just haven't in so long yeah. now. And I, I looked at all the drive-in movie theater websites, and it's like, Sonic, 8 o'clock. Yeah. Birds of Prey, 9.55. Mm-hmm. Bloodshot, 8 o'clock. That's funny. Uh, Bad Boys for Life, 9.55. Ooh, 9.55? I, I think I can make it over there. <laughs> I think I'll wait a little Hop bit longer. Hop on a plane with uh, a mask to go see <laughs> Bad Boys? <laughs> Uh, we also got a question asking if we'd show off our, our Blu-ray collections. Oh. Uh, I know this is like a big thing on YouTube yeah. to like have a Blu-ray collection and show people. Like th- this, this is mine. It's uh, I think it's like what you got? Ten movies. Um, nice. This one was. This is Caitlin's. It's a copy of Elf. That's also I think in French. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not somebody who has a big Blu-ray collection. My my physical media uh, collecting was back when we were still buying DVDs. Mm-hmm. And, ah, gotcha. Uh, I kind of refused to rebuy a lot of that stuff. I feel you. Uh, but I, I got a, sh- a bunch of DVDs over there on the shelf. I know we don't like those anymore. No, nah, those are, DVDs still have it. Some DVDs even look better. But uh, I have mine. I, I'll say this. I, I, by the end of the year, I'll make one for Intercut. Of all the stuff, because I really do believe in collecting physical media, Mm -hmm. and I've had the chance, more so with 4K, because I really dike the resolution of 4K. There's many times where I was like, yeah, there'd be times where I see, like, a Blu-ray, and you know, like, when it looks so cheap? You know when they put the the discs on top of each other? I was like, what are you doing here? This is supposed to be an item. 
Um, but yeah, I'm definitely growing mine. I have a bunch of Blu-rays, DVDs and stuff, but hey, that's a good collection, dude. Oh. I have nothing. Really? <laughs> yeah, mainly because I started like my like my like affinity for film like at a later age and like mm-hmm. you know, it's expensive. Too. I wasn't gonna, yeah, it's really expensive. Like a friend of ours, my roommate Andres, he has a pretty decent size one, but he's thrown so much money into that because he's bought like Criterion's like the big collections and those are really expensive. That's an yeah, that's a collection right there. That's something you're keeping yeah. for when the power goes out. Guess yeah, who's yeah. got? Guess who's got the movies? Yeah, yeah, lots of ways to. Uh, enjoy movies and appreciate them uh if you've got a big blu-ray collection feel free to send it to us we'd love Mm -hmm. to see it if y'all want to see a lot of film reel collection because movies only matter nobody nobody asks about my laser discs in the yeah what about his laser discs bro what uh we also got a we got a lot of people who had thoughts on our best actors under 30 bracket right uh mostly people on people that we left off of the bracket a A couple people mentioned stephen james and yes uh they're they're right that was my bad yes uh we we talk about homecoming basically every other episode of this show so well i think he might be returning on season two we we will find out under 30 oh yes he's under 30 still I swear to you, uh, Stephen James is like 23 years old. I'm going <laughs> to. Uh, we also. Same age. <laughs> yeah. Born same it's, year. A, it's a little bit depressing. Uh, we also could have Man. mentioned uh, his, uh, if Beale Street could talk, yep. co-star Kiki Lane, although I don't know if she would have made it. She probably would have been an honorable mention. Uh, we were just talking about Amanda Stenberg yeah. in The Eddie. She maybe could have made our top 32, although mm, her uh, best performance. I think didn't. the reason why we said the same thing for him was because with Homecoming, he had Beale Street. Eh, I don't know. He's had enough movies. Oh, he was great. Yeah. Never mind. He belonged down there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Amanda, we had a couple of other ones where because they're like uh, Zazie, her best stuff I felt was mostly on TV. Yeah, I was going to counter for Deadpool, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the other people that were suggested to us, Ty Sheridan. Uh, oh, I feel like yeah. maybe a few years ago, but he's been doing a lot of like weird movies and indies and uh, offbeat comedies that yeah. I don't know. Excellent. If they... <laughs> Good ones. Uh, we got Elizabeth Debicki mentioned to us, and as much 30? as I love her in Widows, yes, she is under thirty. Uh, I just don't know if she's had necessarily the filmography to qualify for our mm-hmm. top 32. Uh, what do you guys think about Samara Weaving? Well, I think we had mentioned this uh, or for something else when we were dealing with The Babysitter. Because I was like, bro, they got a sequel to The Babysitter coming out as well. So she is popping. Yeah, yeah, I I failed to put her in the honorable mentions too. Well, so. how many? I mean, look, like the other, I was also gonna add like Samara Weaving and Margot Robbie. Like, it'd <laughs> 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 be too many. Well, that's the other thing too. It's like people always forget that there's like, well, there's only thirty two options. Like, why'd you forget this? It's like, right. well, then we take out the other one, and it's like, why'd you forget that one? And many yeah, times I it need comes to down name to name names. Yeah. Why'd you forget the one I wanted? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day. It would have been worse to put him on and then kick him out. We yeah. would have still gotten the complaint out of the way. But no, Stephen James, we messed up. I feel like he would have done well, too, because we really he like did. him. I really like him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although, I don't think he would have beat uh, our boy Loose. <laughs> Stephen James ain't yeah. writing and getting input on some stories like like my man is. So Yeah. Uh, a few people also commented that Tim- Timmy Chalamet t- – Timmy – Chalamet should have gone farther, uh, and that's just not our fault that Timmy was up against Jennifer Lawrence in the second round. Like that's just oh, the we gave a, hey, we gave a decent thing there. 
that's y'all wanting completing the rest of his career when he ain't at <laughs> the, the jet. Yeah, we made. A, I think we made a decent enough point there. Did it hurt me? Yeah. Yes. It just, I just <laughs> tweeted a Timmy thing this morning, of course. But hey, it's by the rules that we had set. I, I think Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. At the majority point, of comments. Yeah, the majority of comments that we got, I think, was uh, people thinking that Sersha should have won over Margot, although there were a lot of people who uh, did ultimately go Margot. I love it. I'm going to go back to the argument that I had uh, then, I think, was just she's proven it more at the box office, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, part of being a movie star is also being in big movies that appeal to a lot of people, and I I don't know if Sersha just has that track record yet, but... Uh, she, Margot Robbie and Jennifer Lawrence are both 29. So if we revisit this list in a year, it might be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, we had Bailey from Loverboy Media on our best space movies bracket, which was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody that watched that episode and checked us out afterwards. Thanks for subscribing. A bunch of people commented that Interstellar was their winner in spite of our selections. Fernando, you didn't get to appear on that episode, so what do you think? Uh, I do... I love the the bracket you guys had. I thought there was a lot of interesting choices, a lot of, you know, obvious choices like Interstellar, Gravity. Um, the Wally decision was very interesting, and just because, you know, when I think of space movies, it, it probably wouldn't be one that immediately jumps out, but the final two were Wally and Gravity, right? It actually might have been... Uh, Interstellar, but Gravity went against Wally in Wally, the semifinals. Yeah. So I, I consider the last four, yeah, top to top. So, whew, that's tough. Wally is one of my favorite Pixar movies. I think I might have agreed with you guys, even though Gravity I prefer over Interstellar, like by a lot. And yeah, see that that ended up becoming the real question yeah. was, <laughs> were you choosing Interstellar or Gravity? Like yeah. people realize, I don't give a damn what ends up at the end of it. Yeah, I'm here yeah. for the discussion, and that was the craziest thing that came out to me was like. All right, so it really is gravity interstellar for most people. I think I think I would go gravity too. Yeah, I, I but personally the score on interstellar is insane. Yeah, I personally hold like a, a I guess a negative opinion on interstellar where I think it's a good movie. I just don't think it's one of Nolan's best. So okay, I think it's yeah that that's kind of the point that I made with Bailey is that like as much as I think interstellar is a good movie, maybe I even underestimate on interstellar because it might not even make my top five Nolan yeah, movies. I wouldn't you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I also think looking back at a lot of these brackets we've been doing, you know, the semifinals of each are so strong. I feel like you could almost just look at those. Bro, as sort when of I, yeah, the when Mount we get Rushmore. to the four, exactly. That's what I care about. So we, we, every movie fan goes through this. Pick one. Takes three. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. We're, we're in the age of streaming and convenience. I like the top four. But hey, when it comes down to picking the one. I have no problem flinching and saying Wally easily. It's not. It's it's a surprising decision, but I I, I think Wally definitely is going to hold up the test of time. Yeah, for sure. Easily, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Jack Bolender who watched our neon bracket and then watched Ingrid Goes West, commenting to let us know that he thought it was really good. The point of doing these brackets is uh, giving us you. a chance to discuss some movies and shows that we don't ordinarily talk about. So when we can turn one of you onto one of those movies that's, or shows, that's that's the best part. Yeah, that's, that's the whole like purpose, really, uh, of it. Uh, same thing with Cineclash. I had people going like, oh, I know that answer. Got to go watch that movie so I don't get it wrong. I was like, well, it's not going to be the question on the same movie again but yeah, yeah. i'm glad that it pushes you guys to watch more movies because that's literally again i always talk about how 
back in the Blockbuster days, I wanted to work at Blockbuster to be the person to recommend people things. Well, they closed down, so I had to find a bigger platform to do it for more uh, worldwide, I guess, than locally. So yeah. that's dope. That's awesome. That's sick. Absolutely. So yeah, if Intercut has recommended a movie or a TV show to you that you have then checked out, please let us know in the comments. We'll feature uh, some of the best of those on our Instagram and Twitter yes, and sir. Facebook, all those. Uh, so yeah, we really appreciate that. And when if you, you didn't uh, like it, let us know what you actually like. Tell Fernando if you didn't like it. Go to his page. Exactly. At Border Logic. Uh, so yeah, make sure to leave us a question in the YouTube comments. Email us, intercutpod at gmail.com. Reach out to us on social media at intercutpod. You will get it featured on the next show. You can also uh, do whatever. You can also uh, subscribe to us, do all the things. Make sure you're tuned in to Intercut. But we are getting to our final segment here. It's the new to see where you give we give you our picks for the week, the things that you should be watching over the weekend. Art, what are you recommending the people watch? I'm really looking forward to a little movie called Ruby Ruby Ruby. <laughs> now, I ordered this box because obviously now that I have a puppy, uh, I don't even have all the other stuff, but it came with Scooby Snacks. Shaggy lied. Those are not edible. <laughs> but I am really excited for Scoob. They're doing this whole thing about uh, like it being $25 if you pre-order, but it's subject to change. And we've been having this discussion on whether the $20 rentals are going to be the, the, the go-to, depending on how long this lasts with theaters being closed. Some people even saying it might go up to 60 but right now, pre-ordered that bad boy for $25. i am really looking forward to uh, it, as well as re-watching the live-action ones, because uh, they started Linda Cardellini. But, Shout out Linda Cardellini. Exactly. Uh, one of the other things that I am looking forward to is you know, finishing the rest of Control-Z, but uh, I'm actually really looking forward to... Is Homecoming Season 2 coming out this week? Uh next oh, week okay. we, well then I'm yeah. really excited for that one that's what I'm really looking forward to so I'd recommend home, yeah. Homecoming Season 1 in the meantime there we go uh, Fernando how about you uh, for me I would say after hearing you guys talk about The Great I, that's a show I wasn't really on my radar all that much um, mm-hmm. that seems like a show I'd be pretty interested in uh, I'll probably finish Control Z just to see you know what it's about um, where it goes and, yeah where it goes and in terms of movies I mean, Scoob, yeah, for sure. I'll probably check mm-hmm. out. I'm trying to think if there's any other VOD. Maybe, Zach, you can keep me in if there's a, a big VOD release coming up. I mean, Capone was the big one. So, yeah, recently. Capone and Scoob. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, The Great is a good option. That's one that I would definitely second. You know, it's something that I uh, wasn't particularly anticipating, mm-hmm. and I sort of put on an episode and found myself really enjoying it. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully you'll be in the same boat as me and enjoy that show. But it's not the only thing you should watch on Hulu. I'm two episodes into Mrs. America. How is uh, it? Guys, Kate Blanchett's on TV. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair. Everybody else go home. She's so good. And the cast is just stacked on this show. Rose Byrne, Margot Martindale, Elizabeth Banks. Uh, it, it, it's character actress? John Slattery. It, char- the character actress herself shows up and is so good on this show. Uh, it, it's this really interesting look at sort of the anti the, the reaction to the feminist movement, uh, sort of uh, the, these anti-equal rights uh, activists that were uh, housewives predominantly and how they were organized by Kate Blanchett's character, Phyllis Schlafly. It's got this really interesting uh, insight into the way that political 
uh, dynamics can sort of be manipulated into getting people on your side. Uh, it feels very resonant for how we look at politics today. I mean, maybe there's a there are a few moments that definitely feel like they're telegraphing the year 2020 to you, but I think it's so smartly written and and really well acted that I'm just enjoying it for now. Uh, like cool. I said, I'm only two episodes in, and I'm still kind of just like, oh oh my god, there's another amazing actress like Melanie Linsky just showed up in episode two and I wasn't expecting her to show up, but uh, I'm enjoying, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with run on HBO. Um, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of different TV shows right now. Speaking oh. of HBO, I just uh, looked up to see if there's anything I missed. Did you guys know that? I know this much is true already started. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it had its first episode. Yeah. I haven't caught up. So I, uh, I, knew. I might watch week to week. Maybe. Yeah, I'd watched the Intercut uh, May must-watch video, mm-hmm. and it pretty much let us... <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that one, too. Yeah. A couple of you asked if that's uh, something that we're going to keep up also. And yeah, I think we're planning to, to do that again. It's canceled. The so. producers have told us it's a one-and-go. <laughs> yeah, we heard from on a pie and uh, no more. No more Intercut. <laughs> no more Intercut. <laughs> a layoff start next week. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's about all for our picks for the week and this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Zshevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V as in virtual reality, I-C-H. Or check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Fernando, where can people find more from you? People could follow me on Twitter at border underscore logic. And you can also follow my letterbox, which is Fernando underscore films. You can find me at the A to Z show and let me explain uh, with my shifting hoodie uh, beanie um, on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video one as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday. Please leave a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review. Shout out to AJI, who said... Oh, they stopped by. (laughs) who said that we put in so much work and it truly shows. They talk about interesting and fun topics, which makes it super entertaining, never disappointed, would recommend to anyone who's into movies or wants to listen to something interesting. Love you, AJI, if that's how you say your username. I have no idea. Like our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week. From Art, from Fernando, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, Tom Hardy sounds like Kermit with coronavirus. <laughs>